0: This is Cruise Radio.
1: This podcast is brought to you by TripInsurance.com, travel insurance done right by the people who know travel insurance. Get your next quote at TripInsurance.com.
0: Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is This is Cruise Radio. Radio.
1: Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thanks for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Happy to have you here, my friend. Thanks for bearing with me during all this crazy hurricane coverage and losing internet, losing power and all that here in Jacksonville. Uh, things are getting uh, back up to normal now. Uh, flooding's gone, still picking up the, the trees and stuff. But um, again... Uh, people further south had it much worse than we did, and prayers are definitely with them. Coming up on this week's show, we'll talk to Jessica. She just got off Royal Caribbean's Oasis of the Seas, and she was on Oasis during Hurricane Irma. So her cruise was scheduled to be a seven-night Western, and it wound up being a 10-night Western Caribbean cruise because of the hurricane and Port Canaveral being closed. So we'll catch up with Jessica a little later on in the show. But first, Stuart, you were on the cruise, guys. Stuart, let's start with the Eastern caribbean so heartbreaking to see just the devastation down there
0: the big question is what's left yeah for three straight weeks you know hurricanes have screwed up schedules for many different cruise lines to all kinds of different itineraries you know with harvey irma and now maria uh unfortunately with uh hurricane irma being the the most powerful hurricane in recorded history uh, she had she was the longest hurricane with sustained winds at 185 miles per hour in history. It's unbelievable. And, you know, she hit many of the uh, eastern Caribbean islands. And, you know, right now a lot of the eastern Caribbean, including, uh, you know, popular ports like St. Martin, you know, are closed. Uh, They're unable to uh, accept cruise ships right now. Many of the itineraries are being uh, rerouted to the western Caribbean, understandably so, uh, as to not essentially stress whatever remaining resources Uh, That they have, so this way the recovery efforts uh, can can be taken and and get underway.
1: I'm curious, Stuart, because we have like um, Dominica, the United States Virgin Islands, the British Virgin Islands, Saint Martin, San Juan. A lot of these islands have been um, just really devastated by these storms. Like in your experience, you've been doing this a lot longer than I have. What is the turnaround time to get visitors back into these islands so it could be they could thrive again?
0: Well, it it could take. Depending on the severity of the damage, it could take weeks, it could take months, and it could possibly take years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Puerto Rico essentially last week uh, skirted Irma, uh, she, you know, didn't didn't take a direct hit. They had a sigh of relief, and then uh, Hurricane Maria came came along and did a direct hit. And uh, as of uh, now, uh, the entire island is is left without power. Thankfully, uh, you know, we we have resources and we can you know do what we can to help Puerto Rico get back on its feet and it's just a question of how fast the the correct materials can get down there and uh, get into the right hands to for you know to make a difference as we both know I mean the cruise industry uh, it's it's vitally important and in the industry's best interest to help these different uh, countries and, and ports to uh, get back together uh, one on a humanitarian basis but also on a, on a business basis because uh, I mean th- this is the lifeblood uh, of the Caribbean and the Western Caribbean cannot, uh, you know, absorb, you know, so many ships, especially when we have, you know, ships repositioning back to the Caribbean from their spring summer homes in Alaska and Europe. Yeah. Uh, it, it would put tremendous strain on the Western Caribbean ports. So there's going to have to be a lot of very quick maneuvering. And right now with uh, hurricane uh, Maria hitting Puerto Rico you know, that, that's going to cause uh, more problems on those eastern Caribbean ports than uh, were previously uh, uh, thought of.
1: Mm. Looks like FEMA has chartered a cruise ship to uh, use as a floating hotel for aid workers.
0: Right. So in this case, there are, you know, think about it, there aren't a lot of uh, open hotels that are functioning. And if you want to get help to the right people in, in the most expeditious manner, what you don't want to do is strain available resources. So there's a lot of people that are, you know, essentially may have lost their homes. They don't have power. Uh, you know, us here in in Miami, having gone through uh, the hurricane, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, people that uh, were not able to live in their home. They didn't have electricity, so they went to the hotels. Mm-hmm. So in this case, if you're you know you're bringing in thousands of people to help, um, you don't want to, you know, take up available hotel rooms that are needed by people that live there. So the the smartest thing to do was to charter a cruise ship. So. What FEMA did is they chartered the uh, former um, Celebration from Carnival Cruise Line, which is now now operates on two night cruises uh, out of Palm Beach, and uh, they're sending it there to house the uh, FEMA workers, which which was a great move.
1: Didn't didn't we see this back with Katrina where FEMA chartered like what, a couple of Carnival ships?
0: They they chartered several Carnival ships yeah. in New Orleans. Yeah. So this is uh, a very common practice, and it's the it's the it's the fastest way to be able to get. You know, a thousand or twelve hundred rooms here.
1: Carnival Cruise Line said Grand Turk isn't quite ready to receive cruise ships yet.
0: Uh, I I think it's going to be extended because as uh, Maria has left uh, the island of Puerto Rico and makes its you know its way north, um, Grand Turk uh, uh, will be on the western side of the storm. With right now, the hurricane force winds are extending about sixty miles. Uh, from the center of the storm with Tropical Storm Force winds up to 150. So she's nowhere near as powerful and as large as Irma was. Uh, but, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens uh, to uh, Grand Turk uh, as, as a result of uh, Maria doing a, a pass-by. Talk to us
1: about some of the humanitarian efforts being done by the cruise lines to help some of these islands.
0: Well, you know, Doug, as, as we, we know, the, the cruise lines and, and their ships are in these islands all the time. So the, some of the fastest ways that the industry has been able to respond is to load up these ships with enormous amounts of uh, hurricane relief materials to be able to get it into these ports either before the storms or uh, just after the storms. And uh, you know, Royal Caribbean's Majesty of Seas, essentially, it was, a, it was supposed to be a five-night cruise, wound up at, you know being a uh, two-week uh, effort uh, where. Passengers, uh, you know, had a chance to, you know, get back, get off the ship in Canaveral or go back out to sea and, uh, you know, become part of the, of the action, essentially, and donate their time and energy to uh, help with uh, relief. And, you know, there was lots of articles that uh, were published over the past several days uh, highlighting, uh, you know, the, the, essentially 70 people who really gave of themselves to help make a difference in the lives of a lot of other people. Um, you know, Carnival, uh, Royal Caribbean sent ships down there. Royal Caribbean uh, canceled Enchantment of the Seas, so it came back on that Friday um, before Irma hit. And instead of going back out to sea, canceled the sailing, and they did so many days in advance. And they essentially offered it to employees, at, you know, who who wanted to use the ship to evacuate. And so several of these people were able to uh, take a friend and family, and get on the ship and you know, lock up their homes and, and get out of town for a few days. Hmm. Uh, NCL uh, you know, did a, a quick drive in uh, with uh, two of their ships, Escape and Sky. Passengers that wanted to get off the ship were allowed to, so they could uh, get back uh, home to tend to their uh, homes and families, uh, while others just said, hey, you know what, we're getting back out to sea. So essentially, um, with the remaining passengers that were on Sky got on Escape, the ship left, they spent several days uh, docked in Cozumel, Mexico, And the Norwegian Sky was uh, dispatched to St. Thomas to help with uh, relief efforts. I mean, the industry has responded in a a very expeditious and meaningful way. And as you know, with these storms, the paths are always changing. The intensities are always changing. And so they were able to make plans and do what they could to help people. And and I could tell you, having gone through, this must be my 10th hurricane, um, I would have much preferred having been on a ship and, you know, when you read these stories, let's say about the Norwegian escape, when they were talking about people being stranded, I'm like, stranded? You've right. got to be kidding. I mean, these people were safely docked in sunny Cozumel, Mexico, for three days, um, enjoying themselves completely o- away from any of the perils um, you know, resulting from the hurricane. Yeah. Um, I mean, th- this, these were brilliant moves that the industry made um, and, and very selfless uh, decisions um, by the leaders uh, of these companies to ensure ship and passenger safety. Got a
1: listener question here from Facebook asking how do cruise ships prepare for storms? Um, so I'm going to ask you, how do they?
0: Well, you know, keep in mind that the the ships have the the same hurricane tracking or weather tracking equipment that the National Hurricane Center does, that any TV station has. Uh, they're in constant contact with their uh, with the headquarters. Uh, a lot of these ships do a lot of tracking for um, the weather centers because, I mean, they've got the weather tracking, and they're sailing all over the Caribbean. So it's different than a hur- – hurricanes are different than tornadoes and earthquakes and fires because they can be predicted in, in the sense of you know where the storm is heading. It, it could deviate in its path, but uh, the ships can make uh, arrangements and, and, and sail aw- safely away from ships. I've been on you know cruise ships uh, many times. Um, and we had to, uh, avoid, you know, avoid areas where hurricanes were um, approaching. And, uh, you, you know, the, the, like I said, it's, it's not something that they can't prepare for. So they can make decisions and get these ships out of harm's way. So this way they're maximizing the uh, safety of, of the ships and the passengers.
1: I guess when you're cruising during hurricane season, you just have to um, expect the unexpected.
0: Well, and, and Doug, when you think of the... Hundreds of sailings mm-hmm. or thousands of sailings that occur when you talk about all of the different ships this time of year. Uh, I mean, it's 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 very inf- and unfortunately, you know, it's it's a few weeks and uh, rarely does it impact the arrival and departure of of ships. It more it more so would maybe impact uh, some ports of call. It may you know send ships that were supposed to go to the Eastern Caribbean to the Western Caribbean, but uh, the, these types of decisions can be you know quickly made to. Ensure that everybody is safe. I mean, they're not going to sail a ship, you know, into a tropical storm or into a hurricane or or foul weather on purpose. Um, and uh, it's you know, I, I absolutely have no reservations in sailing at this time of the year. And uh, and I always I have a, I'm very you know confident that the that the cruise industry, the cruise lines you know will will do everything they can to make us safe.
1: Yeah. Uh, last talking point here, uh, not hurricane-related at all. It's uh, work has begun on Princess Cruise's fourth Royal-class ship. What are the details here?
0: We know we have Royal, Regal, and Majestic Princess. The fourth ship, you know, they're beginning what they're calling the steel-cutting in, uh, in Monfalcone in Italy, um, is, is underway to uh, begin the hull structure of the ship. We know that the um, bow of the ship, uh, you know, essentially began um, last year in November. And uh, you know the it's it's going to be slightly larger. They're expecting it to be about 2,000 tons more, uh, being uh, about 145,000 tons, which is essentially what the other, which is what uh, Regal and uh, Majestic Princess uh, come in at. And uh, you know have about uh, 4,250 passengers. Um, which will be a beautiful ship. And, uh, you know, it'll most definitely uh, have the medallion features that we've been uh, teased about for so long.
1: We've been talking with Stuart on the Cruise Guy. Find him online at cruiseguy.com or follow him on Twitter at CruiseGuy. Thank you, Stuart. Cruise
0: Radio, maintaining our global reach. Listen live at
1: cruiseradio.net. From its rich heritage, picturesque beaches, and unparalleled blue waters, it's no wonder over 7 million people cruise to the Caribbean every year. What do you want to do? Swim with stingrays at Stingray Bay, go for an island tour, take a beach break, or set sail on a catamaran to spend the day snorkeling. Parkwest West makes us excited to spend money on art.
0: To find out more about Park West Gallery, visit parkwestgallery.com or go to cruiseradio.net and click on the Park West Gallery icon.
1: Want more Cruise Radio? Find a library of over 400 episodes on iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, iTunes, or at cruiseradio.net. Jessica and her family just returned from a cruise on Royal Caribbean's Oasis of the Seas, and Jessica's on the line right now. Hey, Jessica, how you doing?
2: I'm great. How are you doing, Doug?
1: So this was supposed to be a seven-night Western Caribbean cruise that turned into a 10-night cruise thanks to Hurricane Irma. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Okay. So I I guess we'll start from the beginning. Hurricane Irma aside, what made you want to take this seven-night Oasis cruise? My
2: family and I had never been on one of the newer mega ships. We've only done more like mid midsize craft. And so when I found the deal on Oasis, the price was really good for um, our family of four. And we decided to go ahead and book it.
1: Awesome. Now, this is going out of Port Canaveral. You're down there in Tampa. So like day of, did you just drive over and get on the ship? We actually
2: went over to Canaveral the night before because since we have two kids, we wanted to get on the ship earlier in the booking cycle so that we could get up to the kids club and get them registered.
1: Registering for the kids club, is that something that you have to do on board and can't do that online?
2: That's correct. I cannot do that in advance. You have to do it when you get on the ship.
1: Okay, gotcha. So uh, you parked your car and you used, um, what would you use, Port Canaveral's Park and Cruise program over there?
2: Yes, we use Park and Cruise, which is offsite parking near the port, and they shuttle you over to the port.
1: All right. Now, value-wise, uh, using this place instead of parking at the port, like how much did you save? I know you're a you're a money girl.
2: I think it was six to seven bucks a day. They okay. I, um, as I was getting ready to pay a little chat box popped up on the site and said, are, are you going to book right now? We'll give you a 15% off code. And I was like, cool. So I think it was like 65 to $70 for all seven days. It was pretty cheap.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Like uh, half the price of normal or a little less cool. So you embark Royal Caribbean's Oasis of the seas. How was the embarkation process there?
2: For how large the ship is, I, I'm not going to lie, I was thinking we'd be standing in line forever. It was actually very quick. I, w- I was pretty surprised. Normally, when we embark, we get there kind of later in the period, you know, probably an hour and a half before the mandatory be there time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I was pretty surprised. We went through the whole thing probably 20 minutes. Not too bad. Okay,
1: so were you to say from curb to ship was twenty minutes? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. So uh, you make your way on uh, Oasis of the Seas. You said you've never been on one this big before. So what were your first impressions?
2: You do not feel like you're standing on a ship. <laughs> it's it was a little weird to be honest because we're avid cruisers. We like to cruise, but. In general, when you're on a cruise ship, you can tell you're on a ship. Mm-hmm. And this felt more like um, when you walk on, they, they embark on Deck 5, which is where the main promenade is. And it, it honestly kind of felt like we were in a shopping mall.
1: <laughs> yeah. I get that feeling, too. Uh, you make your way to your stateroom. What kind of stateroom did you book, and what did you think of it?
2: We did the interior balcony. So we were overlooking the boardwalk on the back of the ship, the, um, the inside of the ship. I thought the room was nice. It's it's like a traditional balcony. We like having it so that we can kind of go out there and get away from the kids and also get a little bit of fresh air into the room. The size of the balcony was great. I was actually really surprised by that. They do kind of like um, a semicircle balcony, so it mm-hmm. felt like you got more space. They got a table and two chairs out there, so I could actually sit out there with my laptop and do... Um, a few work things while I was away. I think my only complaint about the interior balcony is probably that when you're ocean side, you get a lot of like breeze in the mm-hmm. air from the ocean and it, you really don't get any kind of breeze or moving air <laughs> when you're in the interior of the ship.
1: How was it uh, as far as space with a family of four?
2: I was actually surprised by that. I think they laid out the stateroom really well. We had the, the type of room where you get the, um, you know, the two beds into a king and then the um, couch bed. So during the day, the couch bed was put up and then at night we would fold it down. Sometimes we'd fold it down mid-afternoon for nap. When both beds were out, you know, you kind of have like a little foot and a half walkway around the room, so to speak, from the balcony to the front door. But it worked out pretty good for us because the TV was arranged in a way where everybody could see it if they were sitting on a bed or the couch. And the bathroom was laid out really well where you felt like you had enough room in the shower and all that. So they did a really good job with where things were in the space that you
1: had. Awesome. I want to transition to dining. And we'll we'll divide this into um, a few different segments because there's almost like two dozen places to eat on this ship. So we'll start at the top <laughs> at the Windjammer Buffet. What did you think of that area?
2: This is actually the only dining area on the ship that I was pretty disappointed in. Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like most people who are avid cruisers kind of go into a buffet area already with like a, this could be hit or miss feeling. It's not necessarily that the, the food is bad. The food I would grade as average for a buffet on any ship. It was more of um, kind of like disorganization to some extent. There wasn't really like key areas where you knew set things were going to be. So you kind of had to walk through the whole buffet was available you couldn't just spot a sign that said like indian food or burgers or anything like that you had to look for everything and then i had a little bit of an issue with the buffet in terms of breakfast i can't remember on other shifts if breakfast ends at 11 or if it goes to 11:30 but i felt like breakfast ended kind of early mm-hmm. and then you know they always do that thing where they close half the buffet like a half hour before breakfast is going to end. So in general, like when we went to go eat in the morning, we actually had to stand in line to get into the wind jammer. And then you kind of had to hustle because they were getting ready to set out lunch. Now, granted we're pretty late breakfast eaters. because we kind of hang out in the stateroom in the morning. So I know that's not necessarily an issue for everybody, but it's a little bit of an issue for us. And then I also just kind of felt the size of the wind jammer for how big the ship is. I thought it was a little small, um, but I kind of get where they were going with that because there are so many other options to eat and they want you to go explore those options
1: well yeah and with the other options to eat uh, like the main dining room how was that
2: we love the main dining room we had um excellent service and the food was really good. Um, I didn't have a complaint about any dish I ordered. Now, some I might have ordered something that I didn't necessarily like because it was something new I never tried before. But I didn't have any complaints about how the food was prepared. And I was actually grateful that they had a little bit of um, diversity going on on the menu so I could try new things because I like to do that when the food's free.
1: Awesome. Now, uh, you told me before the interview that you purchased um, the three-night ultimate dining package. So uh, Yeah, what specialty restaurants did you go to?
2: We went to Izumi, which is the Japanese restaurant, um, 150 Park Central, which is like the high-end fine dining restaurant, I guess, and then Giovanni's Table, their Italian restaurant.
1: Is the Izumi teppanyaki or just Japanese?
2: It's teppanyaki. They do the the hibachi and the the whole cooking thing.
1: Awesome. What did you think of that?
2: You know, it's funny because we go out for Japanese a lot, so we, you know, we were kind of expecting the stereotypical experience with the with the corny jokes and things. The um, the cook was actually very entertaining. He told a lot of different jokes, and mm. they did a lot of different things. And you would see, in like a landside hibachi restaurant, if you, if it's something you eat at regularly, so we thoroughly enjoyed it, and the food was very good.
1: And Giovanni's table is their Italian restaurant. How was that?
2: Delicious. Yeah, <laughs> I think that one was probably my
1: favorite. Man, more than 150 Central Park?
2: Yes, and, and and it's a very close call because 150 Central Park was very good, but um I do think I have to say Giovanni's Table over 150 Central Park for myself.
1: <laughs> what do you what do you think about the value of this 3-night dining package versus, you know, just going and paying for three dining nights separately?
2: Out of any anything you can purchase on a cruise and this is my honest opinion, I think this is probably the best value for your money, Mm -hmm. because we paid, I want to say it was $85 per person for the three nights. So I guess 170 in total. And, um, my husband and I are both huge steak eaters. So we had filet Uh pretty much across the board in all three restaurants uh, and wine. So, and, and all of that was covered. You know, I, I can't remember if gratuity is auto included in what you pay for that, but we, did tip above and beyond that um, because you know our check arrived and it was just zeroed out and we wanted to make sure that the staff was compensated but I would definitely say it's it's worth it and if you know you're going to eat in a specialty restaurant you should buy one of the packages versus paying a la carte Uh,
1: going outside to the pool area with you having two kids or maybe you and your husband just hung out by the pool by yourself sometime uh, how was that out there
2: They have a lot of different pool space, which is greatly appreciated. I think they have a total of like five pools. There's like a beach pool, a sports pool, a regular pool, I guess, and then Mm. the the kids area. And then they have the solarium, which is the adult pool on the front of the ship. So we, with the kids, primarily hung out in the kids pool area, um, which is really big. It's got a good size, so the kids definitely aren't on top of each other. That being said, it's not as, I guess, interactive or dynamic as some pools I've seen on other ships. There aren't any slides or things to climb or anything like that. Um, The majority of the water gun things that they did have were broken, but they have, you know, a bunch of little statues and stuff that shoot or drip water. So Mm -hmm. the kids really enjoyed it. And then my husband and I were able to get a day away uh, in the solarium, which is the adults only area. Uh, It's not a full-size pool. It's like a a round pool, and it's shallower with a lip around the edge and some misters in the middle. It's kind of like a lounging pool. Uh, But the area is very nice. Uh, I think my only complaint is they had uh, stone pavers in there, which while the deck can be hot by the (sighs) main pool, um, we're pretty sure we actually legitimately burned our feet (laughs) while walking on the stone pavers. (laughs) So uh, if you're going to go in the solarium, wear sandals.
1: Yeah. As far as entertainment on this ship, what did you think?
2: I think they have a lot of neat venues and different things that you're not going to see on other ships. I mean, specifically what goes on in the Aqua Theater. I think I think that whole concept is very cool, and the shows were very cool that were there. The ice skating rink for me, it's, it's kind of a like gimmick. I mean, it's neat. The show is nice. In terms of going down down there to skate, we didn't get to do that but every time I checked the Daily Compass it, it was like the skating rink was only open in like half hour increments and you had to sign up like 40 minutes before it even opened so it seemed kind of a whole thing so we we just never bothered we only saw one of the, the shows in the main theater and I mean it was it was alright you know um I, I do like that they have the reservation system because I was concerned with so many people on the ship that there would be like lines and it would be a whole issue but Um, If you make a reservation before um, you go on your cruise, then you just kind of show up and they scan your CPAS card and then they open it up for general admission Mm -hmm. um, 10 or 15 minutes before. So um, entertainment wise, I I definitely loved everything they did at the Aqua theater. I thought that whole crew that was doing shows down there was great. And I did like the ice show a little disappointed in the main theater. However, to be fair, we did not go see cats because it was so long that I didn't think the kids could sit through it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I think it's very neat that they put something that's from Broadway on, on the ship.
1: How about any comedy shows?
2: We did go to a comedy show. Um, I was surprised that they actually built like a separate uh, venue for the comedy show. They have a a separate room for it. Uh, A little surprised at the size of it, given that any other ship I've ever gone on comedy shows are always extremely popular and you know, it's usually hard to find a seat. Um, We made a reservation for one so we didn't have an issue getting in, and the comedy show was very good. I think my only complaint is I didn't have a way of knowing if there were multiple comedy shows because they just kind of said who was going to be there. So if the guy, if the same guys happened to put on a different show on a different night, I wouldn't have known. So we only went to one the entire time we were on the ship. But it was a very good show, and I enjoyed it, and the space was nice.
1: How about the music around the ship?
2: I think this is one area where I was super sad. <laughs> oh. Normally when we cruise, I feel like as you walk around the ship, you you move from like one live live music area to another. Like you can always hear somebody playing music. And I felt like that was very much not the case on this ship. Um, they did have an area down on deck four called um, Entertainment Alley or Entertainment Center where like all the, the nightclubs and stuff are. And even sometimes when we were down there, it was very quiet. I would check the the Daily Compass to see when people were playing, and I felt like the hours were kind of odd. A lot of times the DJ would only be playing for like an hour to an hour and a half, so it didn't start until like 1130 at night, which was too late for us to go enjoy it. And even when we were up on deck, a lot of times you have the, you know, the island music and stuff going, and we only heard that, I think, on one day. Oh. So I was a little bit surprised by that um, because I like to go sit and hear people play. Um, we did get to hear the guy play at the piano bar, which was nice. Uh, but other than that, we didn't really hear a whole lot of music on the ship.
1: At the beginning of the interview, uh, I want to talk about the Kids Club here real quick. Uh, you mentioned that you wanted to get on board early to register your kids for the Kids Club on board mm-hmm. Adventure Ocean. Uh, how was that program and how did your kids like it?
2: The program is great. I, I highly recommend pretty much on across any cruise line. We haven't had a single issue with the Kids Club With our kids, we have a five-year-old and a two-year-old. One thing nice that Royal Caribbean does, however, it's not exclusive to all their ships, but on this ship in particular, they have a nursery so that children under three can be watched for a surcharge, which is nice because most of the cruise lines, your kids have to be at least three to even go to kids' club. The space they allocated for Adventure Ocean was great. It's about the same size as the spa on another deck, so they have a lot of space They have an open playroom where kids can go in, where parents can take their kids in to supervise. So we actually did spend quite a bit of time in there, too, just hanging out with the kids and letting them play. And then, yeah, the the kids club is great. For the nursery, you do have to make a reservation because they can only watch so many um, babies and toddlers. But it's great. They take take a lot of kids. We only had one issue where they were at capacity for my um, older son. Otherwise, he was always able to get in and pick up and drop off or super easy. And they do fun things.
1: Nice. Now, uh, before we get to the ports, I want to ask you, or I want you to tell us um, the details on the original itinerary and then how it actually played out thanks to Hurricane Irma.
2: So the original itinerary, I can't remember exactly how many sea days we had, but um, we stopped in Labadee, Falmouth, Jamaica, and then Cozumel, Mexico. Mm -hmm. And then we were supposed to, I think we had a day at sea on the way there and a day at sea on the way back. I can't remember the exact specifics. But what actually wound up happening is when we went into port at Cozumel, we wound up staying there overnight and through the next day. So we were in port at Cozumel for two full days. And then the day after Cozumel, we went to Costa Maya, Mexico, mm-hmm. before we came back.
1: Okay. So you only went to two ports?
2: No, we also went to Labadee, Haiti and Falmouth, Jamaica. Okay. Before we had any itinerary changes.
1: Oh, okay. Sorry. So you already you were already like halfway through your cruise before all these changes started happening.
2: Yeah, that's correct. I gotcha. think we found out on day four mm-hmm. that there were going to be delays and extensions so that, you know, they tried to give people as much notice as they could for anyone that, you know, flew in um, so that yeah. they could make
1: arrangements. Gotcha. Uh, what did you think of Labadee?
2: We did not get off the ship.
1: Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, uh,
2: I, I I, had heard from everybody that it was basically just, you know, you're not actually like in Haiti. It's like Royal Caribbean's private island down there. Yeah. And so I was like, meh. And we just went to the pool.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, unless you're getting a cabana or something there, you're about, or want to pay $100 to ride a zip line, you're pretty much probably better enjoying the ship anyways. As far as Jamaica, did you get off?
2: We did not. And the main reason was just because um, all the research we had done on the excursions seemed like you needed to be a bit older. Yeah, uh, So we couldn't really take the children like to go to the falls and stuff. And I kind of had a little bit of a guilt factor about chucking them into kids' club all day and getting off (laughs) the ship. So we spent a lot of time at the pool.
1: And then um, let's hit Cozumel and Costa Maya. What did you do in those two ports?
2: Cozumel, all we did was get off and hit a convenience store for additional supplies. We knew we were going to need to finish out the cruise. Mm -hmm. So we went to the grocery store. (laughs) (laughs) But my husband and I have been to Cozumel a lot of times on our own, and we just, there wasn't really anything we felt compelled to do with the kids. And since Costa Maya was added at the last
1: minute, we just hung out at the pool. Cool. So, in closing here, I mean, how how do you think Royal Caribbean handled everything with extending the cruise from 7 to 10 nights? And like uh, we were talking to a listener a couple of weeks ago about it, and he said everything was pretty chill on board and people pretty much kept their cool, except one lady, I guess, went ballistic. But uh, what was your feel of the, like, the temperature on board?
2: It's a very fluid situation. Mm-hmm. And for me, obviously, my viewpoint on it is going to be a little different because I, I didn't have any set travel plans or anything to do when I got back. All I knew was a hurricane was going to hit my house and my job was probably going to be closed anyway. So <laughs> I might as well be on a cruise. So for, for me personally, it, it was fine. I think the cruise line did a, a really great job is giving us as much advance notice as they could as to like, okay, Hey, we still got a few days left. We just want to let you know, it's going to be at least an extra two days from the people that had to rebook airfare and things of that nature. I think it was probably a little frustrating to be told a few days later, Hey, we're going to add another day. Because if they had already started trying to make, you know, change their original plans and then it changed again, I'm sure that was quite a frustration. Um, They did let us know that it was going to be extended before we even got to Cozumel. I think the captain told us something like 130 to 150 passengers actually debarked in Cozumel. Mm -hmm. So they like flew home from there versus staying on the extra three days. So from that perspective, I think I think that was really smart of them to give people, you know, have they could have a legitimate opportunity to get off and get home if they really needed to. But totally professional, really good with the updates. We probably got um, one to two updates a day from the captain on what was going on with Irma, because, you know, they're cognizant. There's a lot of us from Florida Mm
0: -hmm. on board
2: and we want to know what's going on. Uh, I'm sure I'm not the only one that was constantly watching, you know, international CNN in their stateroom like, what's going to happen? Yeah.
1: Well, interesting. Well, this is your first time sailing a mega ship. Like, would you go back to a mega ship, or did you like the smaller ships better? Talk to me about that.
2: I think I would go back to a mega ship if the cost was equivalent to sailing a smaller size vessel. Um, part of the reason we hadn't ever sailed one until now was just because, in general, the cost is—it's not like prohibitively higher, but it is higher than sailing any other midsize ship, and so we just never felt the value was there. There is more to do depending on what you want to do. But for me personally, I think I'd be fine on a smaller ship. Mm-hmm. I do think you lose a little bit of the um, cruising experience, of the of the feeling at sea experience. You're very much basically in like a floating resort. They've right. dedicated so much to the inside. Um, it kind of seems like they expect you to stay inside the ship. So in terms of like being outside and in the sea air and things like that, uh, I, I feel like you get a lot more of that with a smaller ship.
1: Well, in closing, Jess, final thoughts of Oasis of the Seas?
2: I definitely recommend it, especially if you've never done a mega ship. I think everybody should try it and see what fits for them. It was a really good experience. I was I was super impressed, even though there were over six thousand people on board, it never felt. That bad. There was never huge crowding anywhere. So I think they've done a really good job managing how they distribute people throughout the ship. And um, for how large the ship was is the fastest disembarkation process I've ever been through in my life. So I was really grateful for that.
1: Did your house make it through the hurricane?
2: Yes, we were very fortunate that um, Irma turned at the last minute. Tampa was initially expecting a direct hit, but it actually went more east towards Lakeland, so Mm -hmm. our house never even lost power, thankfully.
1: Oh, wow. Now, uh, let's talk about the end of your cruise. So you get off the ship, you go back to um, the park and cruise lot at Port Canaveral, and Mm -hmm. uh, the hurricane spun off uh, a twister that went through that park and cruise lot. Uh, Was it as bad as it looked online?
2: Yes, it was. I would have to say that um, out of all the damage we saw from Irma, between what we saw getting off the ship and then driving across the state over to where we live, uh, what happened at Parking Cruise was the worst I had seen. Aside from what happened down in the Keys and the Caribbean on the news, obviously that damage was much more severe. But you know, Parking Cruise, they they had a building. The building was totally gone. The cars were missing windows, a lot of broken windows, some dents, some refracts missing. Some cars had been pushed into other cars and then some cars were totally fine. So it it really was hit or miss on what got damaged, but they definitely sustained a lot of damage.
1: That's when you hope your insurance policy is paid up. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Jess, thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Doug. You guys have a good day. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance?